0: And that player loved it. Uh Loved ripping out a spine. And maybe it was a one shot, right? So uh, if you're only going to play the Hulk once, why not? (laughs) Why
1: not? Why not go all in? Fists deep in some dude's back.
2: (laughs)
0: Hello, and welcome to Dungeon Chatter. This is Travis.
1: This is Victoria.
0: And today, we're going to talk about H for... House rules. So you have tuned in to the Dungeon Chatter podcast. And what we do on the Dungeon Chatter podcast is um, every time an episode comes out, we're discussing an aspect of RPG design. And we're going alphabetically. And so we'll discuss this idea, and we'll talk about it in terms of game creation, RPG creation uh RPG play gameplay and then we will make a pitch so how we want to handle that topic and then we will take that topic and or that pitch and we will play test it
2: mm-hmm. and then
0: we will sometimes make some tweaks on it and other times we'll just keep it as is and maybe sometimes we'll just totally scrap it and we haven't had to do that yet but who knows
1: yeah we might we might come across something
0: and i should note that today is an especially spooky episode because it's halloween
1: Halloween. Yes. Is it Halloween? It's totally Halloween. What? I didn't realize that. Yeah,
0: so this will be posting what? A couple days after Mm -hmm. Halloween in all likelihood. But, you know, it'll still be scary. Spook. Yeah, spook. Spook. Okay, and so um, on the last episode, we talked about G for
1: goals.
0: Correct. Uh, And now. uh, Goals. Goals. Today it's house rules. Mm -hmm. Um, And so maybe we should begin by talking about what a house rule is. And um, and then we're going to do – so normally we would do uh, just discussing how a couple things went. Then we'll come up with our pitch. But I think uh, rather than doing that, we'll just talk about what a house rule is. And then I'm going to give kind of rules for house rules or guidelines for how to use uh, house rules. And then we'll just talk through a bunch of different um, samples of house rules and talk about whether they violate some of the rules. That does sound bad. Some of the guidelines for house rules that we've mm-hmm. laid out, and then try to explain, like, why that's not a good idea. And, yeah, hopefully you'll have these uh, four general guidelines for how to design house rules. Sound good? Yeah. All righty. So, a house rule. It is, well, how would you say it in your words?
1: Um, I just, I think it's something that... uh. A DM or a party agrees is not something that's specifically laid out in whatever game, D&D, um, Pathfinder, any of those other sorts of RPGs.
0: <clears throat> like Dungeon Chatter?
1: Like Dungeon Chatter, yes. yes. How could I forget our own? So it's not in the official rule book, but everyone at the table agrees to use it.
0: Yes, and these rules tend to be specific to the house so and
2: their are rules. rules.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so different uh, DMs, I mean, if you ever do a thing where DMs switch off the same campaign, so you have multiple DMs DMing the same campaign, that can happen. Um, oh, yeah. Or if you have just multiple parties playing the same game, so maybe you have uh, one party playing D&D 3rd Edition and then another party playing D&D 3rd Edition, but when the one party's playing, they use the house rules of the one DM, and when the other uh, party's playing, they use the house rules of the other DM. Uh, So they're all playing the same game, but they have just sort of different tweaks that they've agreed to. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I should talk first very quickly about why you might want to come up with a house rule. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so maybe one of the reasons is that there's often this trade-off between uh, speed and complexity. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yep. And so some parties and some... Some, yeah, I guess parties is fair, some groups, some gaming groups uh, might look at a particular game mechanic. And when I say game mechanic, I mean like how you figure something out. Uh, So the simplest mechanic that we have is um, just roll a d20, and if it's 10 or higher, you succeed. Um, But sometimes you might just say, there's no reason for you to roll for that. So if the character wants to do something that's insanely simple, and they have like a level 3 skill, which is very high... They have if they were to roll, they'd have like a ninety-seven percent chance of succeeding. So you might just say, "Oh, you, you don't have to roll; you can just do that." Um, that's not well. That's not necessarily part of the rules, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, but it's a kind of uh, common tweak, and so that we would call that a house rule. Um, so that would favor speed over complexity. Yeah. Um, another possibility is uh, that you decide that you like D&D for whatever reason, uh, but you also like the critical system yeah. <laughs> of, of like Middle-earth role-playing or mm-hmm. uh, role-master. And so when we ran our, whatever, 3.5, whatever our game was, 3.75, we'll call it.
1: 3.75, okay. Um,
0: sort of between rules. It, ha- it was using some rules from 3, 3.5, and, and 5, possibly. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think, yeah. It was a kind of mashup. Um, but when I was DMing, I would use the uh, critical hits and critical damage stuff from a rollmaster, so that's a house rule, and it actually made things more complex.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: why would someone be so foolish as to introduce unneeded complexity? Hopefully because it was fun.
1: Mhm It was pretty fun.
0: Now, who doesn't like graphic descriptions of chopping off limbs and whatever so one of the reasons that you might Adopt a house rule is in that kind of speed versus complexity uh, mm-hmm. continuum. And you might be the in the kind of game where you don't always, like, so maybe some parties just like, we always just want to do it as fast as possible, as fast as possible, as fast as possible. And that's fine, I guess, especially if you have like a one-shot, you know, a one-shot, like a, you're, yeah. you're a group that just gets together to play a particular game for one time and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know it's getting close to bedtime or, <laughs> or something and you're just like let's get through this uh, and so you or just go like for a, simplicity
1: A DM for little kids who could don't be. need you know complex rules to have fun yeah could
0: be true mm-hmm. too yeah um, and you might want the complexity just because it adds this kind of extra layer to things and if you're not in a great rush to yeah. get out uh, you might want to do a lot of checks uh, so and a lot of complexity to it um, Another thing perhaps is, uh, another trade-off maybe is flavor versus uniformity. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. I was thinking, I didn't come up with any awesome examples of this ahead of time, but um, so uniformity um, in a system would mean that every mechanic is the same. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I actually have some examples that come up in middle earth role playing and we can explain from there and then you can see how things are different. Uh, and so remember, if the, the general mechanic is you roll a 20-sided die and it's 10 or better, it's a success. It's just suppose that's the case. Um, but when it gets to, um, I don't know, speaking languages, you don't use that system. You just use a different system, right? So um, in Middle-earth role-playing, for instance, the general mechanic was a die 100. We've talked about this, and it's open-ended both ways. So if you roll a 1 through 5 or a 96 through 100, uh, then you roll again, and either add if you're at the 96 to 100, or subtract if you're in the 1 through Mm 5. And it is continuously open-ended. Okay, but when it comes to speaking a language, uh, you just have ranks from 0 to 5. And if it's 0, you can't speak (laughs) that language. If it's a 1, you know a couple phrases. um, Up to 5, which is perfect fluency. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to roll in order to try to convey meaning to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a different mechanic that kind of settles that. So if you want to converse with someone like an orc about nuclear physics and you have level two in Morbeth, which is black speech Uh, you don't do it right Mm -hmm. you say stuff like i don't know level two (laughs) yeah Uh, like uh particle maybe not even that like stuff exists not exist does that kind of make sense like you can't speak on a deep theoretical level about that kind of thing Um, and then merp introduced another set of rules for spells so there were spell lists rather than just skills Mm -hmm. Uh, and so with a spell list when you're at first level you have the level one spell when you're at level two you have the level two spell up to level 10 but it doesn't work that way for one of your skills like one-handed edged which lets you use swords it's not like you get to level two and now can you, you can use bigger swords level three bigger swords yeah so it's not something that progressed in that way so it sacrificed uh uniformity uh for a flavor
1: yeah, I gotcha. Is this sort of like, I don't know how well you know 3.5 and 5e, but mm-hmm. so um, magic users and those systems, so like wizards have to have a spell book and they can only learn certain spells and it has to be written in their spell book before mm-hmm. they can even, you know, whatever. Druids have to meditate mm-hmm. on their spells every day. Um And I think sorcerers have even, like, a a different... I I don't know how sorcerers get magic powers very well. I think they have, like, only a certain number that they can cast, but they Mm -hmm. don't have to always keep track of the spells per day. That's how it is. Yeah. So those are all, like, flavor things, Mm -hmm. because it's all magic, and it's actually a lot of the spells will overlap. Uh, Like, wizards can use the same spells that sorcerers can use, but... How they keep track of their spells is different from player to player. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's a, a good example. flavor versus mm-hmm. uniformity thing. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And that's maybe that might even be a, a better example. I'm not sure, right? So mm-hmm. the the so whoa, what makes you know this spellcaster different from this spellcaster? They can cast the same spell. It's uh, yeah how they encode that spell into their memory or into their whatever their spellcasting repertoire. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really good example. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, why might you want uniformity? Because it's incredibly easy to teach people how to play the game.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. I still don't... Magic, I I, I played a, a ranger, and we had just gotten to the point... When we were playing the 3.5, 3.75 game, <laughs> I played a ranger. And they're, they don't have spells until, like, the fifth level. And we had just, I think, gotten to fifth level. And I was still... Really confused about when I could use spells and when I had to decide what spells I had and all of this stuff. Uh, like I was super confused with magic stuff in d d because it was different for every player. And we had some other types of spellcasters. And so I was like, but they have cantrips. I don't have cantrips.
0: Right. Oh, that's
1: another house rule, by the way, uh, if we want to bring that up later. What was the one? 3.5 doesn't have um, unlimited cantrips, but right. we all... Partitioned for unlimited level zero cantrips.
0: Oh, partitioned? Huh? Partitioned. Partitioned.
1: What's partition
0: Like draw off a subsection?
1: Yes, partitioned. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, right, and yeah. So let's see. In D and D, cantrip is a first level spell, mage spell. I don't think it's a cleric spell. No, no, no. In D and D, in, uh, in AD&D. an AD and D. An AD
1: and D. It's a
0: first level. No, but there was a game called Dungeons and Dragons before AD and D. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a first level spell, okay. Um, and it doesn't do really cool stuff. But now, by what, by where, uh, by fifth edition, is that when? By they fifth did?
1: edition, and and there was a thing called cantrips in three point five, but it did a different thing. Okay. It was yeah, but it was also a level zero.
0: So cantrips were changing over time, uh, or what a cantrip was changed over time. Um, if you were in the game, mm-hmm. uh, and so I don't know. I, I mean, casting as many zero level spells as you want mm-hmm. sounds pretty cool. Um. Yeah, so why not? So whatever. So even though we were not playing 5th edition, we were playing, again, 3.75, which is not real. We'll just stress that. It's oh, not real. that's fair. Yeah. Uh. But um. we were playing court, kind of by a lot of house rules. And so we decided to adopt the 5th level, 5th uh, yeah. edition cantrip rules.
1: It's because a lot of us had different player handbooks. Like we all had our own and a lot – like a few people had 5th edition. I had a 3.5. Austin had a 3, I think, just – Mm-hmm. And That's right. uh, I don't know which uh, DMs guide you had. No. Yeah. <laughs> so that is why we're going to call it 3.75 <laughs> 3. because it was sort of an amalgamation of all of the rules that we all came to first, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, and so now, why would you want? Uh, so that's why you might want um, speed versus complexity, complexity versus speed, uniformity versus flavor, and maybe the flavor versus complexity. Oh, sorry, uniformity also makes sense. Like, why would you want um, flavor if it's going to add? Sorry, detract from
2: mm-hmm.
0: uniformity. Yeah. Why would you want that? Um, yeah, and that might just be fun. Yeah, could could be a wild idea. Could be I fun. mean,
1: if all of those magic users in three point five had the exact same spell i don't know what on earth the difference like why would you want to be a wizard versus a sorcerer Mm -hmm. so yeah it adds distinction i guess
0: yeah i think that's fair um now um so some guidelines uh guidelines for house rules i think the first one is to make the rule known in advance Mm -hmm. um and so
1: yeah that's definitely a big one
0: yeah, so whatever you're going to do, when possible, make it something that's known in advance. I will say that the cantrips is something that we adopted
1: in the course. Yeah, but they weren't implied until we all said, right. yeah. So that I think that that is a, a good, like, hey, you can't just Calvin Ball it in the middle of a session and be like, No, it's eh. Calvin Balling? Do you know what Calvin Ball? The well, why would I would have asked. <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes or whatever. Uh, mm. That one comic, he used to play Calvin Ball, but the, mm. the joke was the rules. There weren't set rules. He would just change them as the like as he played. So Calvin Balling is, you mm-hmm. know, where there's no set rules. You just sort of jump from rule to rule depending on who it favors.
0: Mm. Yeah, so that sounds good. Well, then, yeah, definitely don't want to Calvin Ball it.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, right. Uh, so whatever you're going to agree to, do it in advance. And especially um, at a session zero, I think, is the best place to do that. And the session zero, if you're not up on that terminology, remember that's like the time where you meet before the game actually starts. So before all the characters, it's like where the characters come together. So it might be a time during which uh, the players make their characters, um, or it could be a time during which you um, create like a, their backstory mm-hmm. and a like a prequel type thing or yeah. an origin story. who knows
1: who sort mm-hmm. of thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's a really good time. And that's something that we did with the most recent game was uh, we laid out some of those ground rules. So um, there's nothing in D&D that says you can't be an evil party, but if you keep listening to this podcast, you know that I don't want to run that game. Mm-hmm. So um, that would kind of be a house rule, like well, you don't get to be evil in this game. Yeah. Um, again, if you want to play an evil party, totally fine. That's your game. But not if I'm going to GM. So someone else has to run it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, so that's a household a house rule. So make the rule known in advance. That's sorry. That's a guideline for house rules.
1: Yeah,
2: it's
0: complicated.
1: Yeah, okay. I think we we don't like don't take all of these completely as you know the rule book. These are just our. Oh no no, yeah. these are written
0: in stone. Yeah, this is actually part of the fabric of the universe. So yeah, please do. Now you were saying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow
0: we can call all these rules we might call them a protonto rule which means they go so far they have a lot of weight mm-hmm. but um what if you know um a, a year after starting to play you hadn't thought about how you're going to handle i don't know followers or epic level characters or whatever okay well you didn't know the game was going to last that long so you can't go back in time and do this so um, the things that you can think of ahead of time, think of them ahead of time and settle on those house rules. But if it's something that's that pops up a year later and you couldn't reasonably have anticipated it, then okay. Yeah. That's fine. Come up with a rule then. Yeah. Before you have to do it on the spot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I, I guess the the takeaway is try to try to think at least a little bit in advance if you're especially if you're a GM to maybe think, oh, my characters are kind of leaning towards this, and we might need to address that before it's in the moment and you're having to tell a player, well, no, you can't do that, mm-hmm. like as it's happening because it, it would break the game, quote unquote, break the game or whatever. Uh, it it sort of sucks to hear that stuff in you know the middle of action, but to, to be aware of, hey. Don't plan to do this because it won't work with us. Uh,
0: yeah, so we'll talk about math breaking and breaking the game in a little bit. We can probably come up with pretty precise examples of what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the so make the rule known in advance. I was thinking that maybe you could tell us about you have that story about um, leveling up and rolling stats and things like that. Yeah,
1: um, I think we might have gone over this. If any of you remember, in character creation, the episode C. Um, I played this one homebrew game and um, the, the whole purpose of the game was for the DM to sort of figure out these new magic rules that he wanted to implement. Um, and so when I first rolled up my characters, I didn't really know all of what he wanted to accomplish and what he had in mind for like what he wanted us to experiment with. So I ended up with um, putting a lot of points into strength and constitution which are stats that determine like how hard you can hit and how many health points you have and um sort of i think a little bit No, that's dexterity that normally accounts for um your armor class like how Mm -hmm. hard it is for someone to hit you but basically i was thinking oh i'll be a tank character which is someone who goes out into the middle of battle and like takes a lot of damage but also deals a lot of damage um And then as we started playing, my strength and constitution didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, Like I kept trying to hit and then I'd be like, can't I add my strength to this? And he's like, no, that's something that you've got to like come up with an ability that you can do that would for some reason use your strength more than just hitting them. And so I was a little frustrated that I had like put my – points and strength thinking that it would just be an innate like I could get good at it from the start but instead like intelligence wisdom and charisma were strengths or were stats that had these innate abilities like these were what determined your ability to make abilities so I couldn't use a whole lot of abilities in the middle of a game
0: well, let me ask you a quick question Because of all these here. so this um, and the, and so the reason that you expected uh, strength and con to work that way is because that's the rules, right? So those that's, are the yeah, rules. D&D. I yeah, d and was
1: It was pitched to me as a homebrew D&D game, but there mm-hmm. were a lot of add-on rules that made it very much not D&D. Basically, the only, um, the only carryover was that we were rolling a D20 and adding some numbers to it, and the rest of the rules were what the DM came up with. So that's sort of why it was – a weird home rule situation that um, sort of didn't work because we didn't know all of his rules in advance. Yeah, good. Yeah.
0: Plausible. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I probably don't know of any other good examples of that with the possible exception of when a party comes together for the first time and you have a certain um, – in RPGs what is called the race, so that are you going to be a human, an elf, a dwarf, or whatever, um, and class – Uh, so you might have a particular combination in mind and you find out that the DM doesn't allow that race and or class. Uh, so there were like in D and D, AD and D second edition, but this is where the world started to swell and there became so many possible character races. Mm Uh, and some of them were, uh, really powerful for various reasons. And Mm -hmm. we'll say what that means, but, um, like there's this race of these like mantis people, the Thrykreen, Um, And if I think if you played your cards right with a level one warrior, you could attack something like nine slash two, which means you would attack four times in one round and then five times the next round at first level. Wow. uh, Which means you're essentially destroying a lot of people. Like that that would be pretty devastating. So it's not that you can't use such a – I mean it's not that you can't use such characters. But it's probably the kind of thing that the DM or GM wants to know ahead of time so they can uh, possibly – You know, pump up the the level of the fighting stuff that you're going to do.
1: Yeah, and also maybe warn the other players. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to do five attacks in one round at level one when Mm -hmm. everyone else probably only has, I don't know, like one or two at most.
0: Five slash two fastest, I think. Two, three. Two, Two, one round. Two, one round, three. The next, I think, is the fastest you could start with.
1: Other than that player? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so if nobody else gets to roll a dice five times in a round yeah. and they have to wait through that That's every true. single time your turn comes up, it might be a little unfair to the other players who aren't trying to min max. Uh, mm-hmm. If anyone remembers what min maxing is, it's like doing the things that will get you the most of what you want to do and like sort of negating everything else, like not caring about charisma if you only need strength.
0: Yeah, so, so if you can attack. Four times in one round and five times in the next, and you have a good strength bonus, so you can essentially drop multiple foes every round. Then, mm-hmm. so what if you're not very charismatic? Yeah. Let, then you'll just let someone else in the party talk.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. So um, that's, that's a case where letting the rules be known in advance um, has a lot of different benefits, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so you're not surprised in the moment, so it doesn't trash a character concept you had or whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. Second guideline. Um, Make it a rule that you will enforce, and also enforce consistently. Yeah. Uh, And so there are some policies that a a DM might put in place because they think it's really cool, but then they find out in the moment, oh, this is actually a a pretty bad idea. Like, it's not going to have the story outcome I want um, if I follow through. And so one of the examples is the the double 20 and the double 1. We talked about this in... Where did we talk about that? D for damage.
1: I think it was damage. Yeah. Uh,
0: So the in AD and D the double twenty. So you roll a twenty sided die to attack, and if it's a twenty, then you roll it again, and if you roll a twenty, then it's a decapitation. So one in every four hundred swings, roughly, is a decapitation. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sounds awesome when you're chopping off opponents' heads, but it doesn't sound awesome when you play a character for like two years, because Mm -hmm. when you're playing, suppose you're playing. Once a week or once every other week for several hours and you're getting into, I don't know, two or three combats each time um, over the course of the year. you I don't know, you get into like 80 combats, say, something like that. I don't know. And um, then you're wondering, well, wouldn't my head be chopped off like a bunch of times? Yeah. And I think statistically the answer is yes, it would. Yeah. Uh, and then you find out that the DM is fudging the dice rolls, uh, which means um, – oh, your head would have been chopped off. I'll just do double damage. You're unconscious. You're unconscious. And you think, well, if you're going to have the rule, you might as well follow through on the rule. Um, if you want the rule to be only player characters and bosses do that or only player characters do that, then make that the rule. It, it's uh, Otherwise, you get this um, arbitrariness of the DM uh, deciding what's going to happen on a particular role. Yeah. Um. And... Uh, I also wrote the double one, uh, but I think the double one, as we've talked about, is less severe because so the one is when you in the way that a twenty is a critical success in AD&D Second Edition at least, and uh, a one is a critical fail. And so mm-hmm. if you roll a one and then you roll again and it's a one, this is supposed to be really bad. We talked about how it's not self decapitation though, um, yeah. but imagine it were like you say no nope, in my game, double ones is self decapitation, and then like first session somebody rolls a double one, you're like oh well, if. You just mm. chopped off your head. You have to make a new character and all that.
1: That's when you write junior next <laughs> to the name. <laughs>
0: that is when you write, junior. "I will seek vengeance." <laughs> um, on right.
1: suicide. Sorry, seek vengeance. Well, <laughs>
0: okay, uh, right. So I will what? Carry on the legacy.
1: Carry on the legacy. I do better. But. Do- <laughs> Carry on the legacy. It's just a string of like it's an infant by the time like you get to your fourth character because there's no way you've got it. anyway. It's, uh,
0: nesting dolls. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um uh, Yeah. So again, rules that you will enforce, but rules that you will enforce for everyone. Um and so imagine that uh, one character or one player says, Well, I wanna be that thry cream who attacks nine slash two, and then someone says, Oh, I wanna be a dragon kin. Uh, I don't know what they get, but they it, in different rules. They got really cool stuff. So maybe their stats start out much higher, um, or they start out at multiple levels higher in some campaigns. And the DM is like, "Oh no, you can't do that." And now we wonder, well, if you were going to let so and so take this non-standard race, um, mm-hmm. and non-standard race just means it wasn't in the original player's handbook. I'm not, I'm not being racist there. Um, and then the question is. <laughs> <laughs> uh the question is whether um whether that's a fair application of the rule, so is that an impartial application of the rule mm-hmm. um you definitely don't want to play favorites and so uh have have rules that you enforce just for some people is like probably the worst type of, of yeah. rule i think um possibly even worse than not letting people know in advance is if you just you enforce it imagine like you just enforce it for everyone at the table except one person
1: Bummer. yeah. It is a super bummer. I've seen people do it unknowingly, uh, just like in the moment forget that um, you made someone else like have to think about their movements back and forth and then they forget and someone else gets to move a little more uh, mm-hmm. and that that's really not fun. Like mm-hmm. when you, when it happens to you and then you see it not happen to someone else, it's mm-hmm. definitely not fun.
0: Yeah. Um okay so the double 20 the double 1s that's a good example of rules that you will enforce. I'm trying to think do you, have you seen any rules or where people were like oh I don't really want to enforce that rule this time?
1: Um I mean besides the the double 20 and the double one. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh well oh I have a good example actually.
1: Go for
0: it. Um so again in the second edition there uh spells had these components bsm so whether there was yeah. a spoken uh, a spoken component a gesture a, i guess it's verb verbal for you have to speak something somatic for you have to move your body in some way and material like you have to have a material item mm-hmm. um and we had um we often just didn't play with material components but it was a, a thing that was known to everyone and um it was enforced uniformly uh but i noticed that the my players in 3.75 right they um Jeremy for instance started looking up the components and then he would yeah. purposely go around and he's like I'm gonna collect these ashes because there was some fire spell that he kept casting all the time uh-huh. um, and then once I saw that he like wanted to do that then I then I thought all right then you'll need these uh, every time you want to do the spell and sometimes the characters actually didn't have the material component to cast yeah. their spell and they couldn't And that was fine. So my personal preference is typically not to require some of those things. Um, At the very least, not to require um, the material component. But I can totally see why you might want to because Mm -hmm. that could be a cool quest then become I've got to go out and like, I don't know, kill a dragon and get this or kill a rock, the ROC, giant bird, and take one of its feathers for this spell. There's some spell that had that uh, component. Um, yeah. so a house, the, the rule is that's what you, you need the, whatever components are listed, you need those, but the house rule would be, uh, we're not going to play with, with somatic and, uh, material. And you might say, well, why does the somatic matter? Um, if you're bound
2: mm-hmm.
0: and your spell has a somatic component, then you might not be able to do it. Yeah. So if it tells you like you have to get your hands or your arms into a certain position, uh, and you can't do that because of your, uh, bonds, then you don't get to cast that spell. Yeah. So there are reasons to do it and there are reasons not to do it. And again, those are speed, complexity, Flavor uniformity Mm -hmm. questions.
1: Yeah. Good. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I I know um, I was thinking about in the adventure zone, they they don't deal with um, any components or any like food or Mm. sleeping or anything. Um, So those are um, like some people really don't care about the going out and just finding the ingredients list. um, And some people really do. Like you're saying, the rock and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's when I think a lot of people that I've seen will ignore certain just housekeeping sort of rules.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. We've talked about the adventurer's pack in the past. So Mm -hmm. um, do I have a rope? And it's like, well, did you purchase this or this? And Mm -hmm. then there's a list of it placed, uh, all that's done in advance uh, on the DM screen. So it was uh, always a question that could be settled in game at that moment. Now, one difficulty was that people didn't replenish their supplies all the time. Yeah. Right? So... I have a rope, right? Oh, no. You know, three weeks ago you used it to climb down that well and didn't grab it didn't grab it, yeah. yeah. Um, So those are are just wrinkles. But, you know, to take all the steps uh, that you reasonably can, uh, maybe you have people pay a certain price, like, I don't know, maybe a a half or a fifth or a quarter or whatever after every adventure and then just assume they have uh, replenished all their goods
2: Mm -hmm. in the kit, including
0: food and all that stuff. Um, yeah, food and water and sleep. Mm, those are interesting things, right? So uh, on longer adventures, sleep would become very important. Um, ten, people have always tended in our games to have enough food that they could make it a few days. Uh, but we will say um, one rule that almost everyone throws away that I know of in d is the encumbrance penalty. So how much weight are you carrying? I think it's because we play games like um, Fallout or whatever where you're, I mean, there's encumbrance in those games. There's a max limit, right? So there's yeah. only so much you can carry. But I mean, it's its ridiculous. It's like several hundred pounds of gear that you're yeah. carrying and sprinting.
1: And you tend to hit it a lot. At least I do. <laughs>
0: yeah. And then exactly. I have to
1: eat like 60 potatoes. <laughs>
0: Not only you, your companion is also loaded with fire. Oh, that's pounds, true. Right? Yeah, your
1: companion always gets loaded up too. Uh, Thanks, Fallout.
0: So maybe this was not an impartial use of it, but I think we've told this story before. Um, oh, Austin's character showed up to play that time, and he was carrying. That's true. About hundred. <laughs> he was carrying about one hundred and sixty pounds. Uh, something like some uh of bolt sling bullets.
1: Yeah, sling bullets.
0: So things stones to throw. Uh, in his sling. And I just let him know that that was probably too many.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Probably.
0: Uh, And so he, yeah, it turned out that he he couldn't move at a walk. Well, probably for tactical reasons. So if I have 160 bolts, they each weigh, or um, bullets, they each weigh a pound, right? So if I have 160 of them, then I'm not going to run out. I'm not going to throw 160 bullets in an adventure. So I'm good to go. Um, True.
1: It's true.
0: If you walk at it like, I don't know, um, 10 feet her around I don't know so it's something incredibly slow like yeah. at a slow walk something like that
1: maybe you could have bought a mule in the very first episode yeah. and then just always had the bullets on the mule yeah and never lost the mule you yeah. we were pretty bad at losing horses
0: yeah, and th- this, so this becomes a case where uh, – so making the rules known in advance versus making it a rule you will enforce, that might become a conversation that you have to have sometimes. So, like, um, if no one asks and no one thinks of it, are you enforcing encumbrance? Um then at some point, you might have to say, look, we haven't been doing encumbrance, but I noticed that like one of you is carrying 3,000 pounds of gear. 3, <laughs> um, and that, that's not going to fly, right? So I mm-hmm. mean, that, that's beyond ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to start enforcing encumbrance.
1: Maybe just like. like a higher weight limit than yeah. the normal encumbrance, something that's, like so that's that. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, I think
0: some people play it where, um, so in d there was like a, a max carry, uh, I think it was called weight allowance. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think we played like, as long as you were under your weight allowance, uh, encumbrance didn't affect you, Mm -hmm. but we were strong. So you could be carrying a couple hundred pounds of gear and be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was a kind of in between the rules of, the rules of encumbrance are essentially, um, the more gear you're carrying, the slower you are. Uh, but we chose to play it as a kind of all or nothing. So either you were, if you were under your weight allowance, you were fine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were um, above your weight allowance, you could walk. You could walk.
1: You could, yeah. like, no run. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, and I think I think that's how it goes. It's been a while. But something like that, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Makes
0: yeah. sense. Okay, cool. Um, so that is uh, make it a rule that you will enforce and a rule that you will enforce consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, the third guideline is make it a rule that will contribute to the enjoyment of the game, right? So if you're going to make changes, I mean, do it for a reason. And and I don't know what – if you're playing a game, I don't know a better reason than people are going to like that. Does that make sense?
2: hmm
0: Yeah. So um, one of the rules that I saw um, on Twitter uh, – I'll put the name in the show notes – uh, someone gave an example of uh, uh, something that breaks the math of the game, and I think you earlier said the phrase as game breaking. So, mm-hmm. are we going to break the game? Uh, so, what might that mean? And um, this person uh, on Twitter said, "In the game that they rolled up, so I, I think he, I think it's a he, posted. Oh, they, how about that? Uh, posted this image um, of the character sheet, mm-hmm. and D and D stats are really now tapped at about a twenty, right, at first level. Yeah." Um, and this character had multiple stats in the high 30s. Yeah. Uh, ooh, uh, and, and this was a, a person who was a character in a game saying, these are characters we made for a game that I think was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, well, what might that do? So rather than having, I don't know, uh, let's see, like a say a 50% chance of hitting a character that you'd have like a – chance of hitting a character right from the start. Yeah. Uh, And so does that break the game? Uh, If you're going for any kind of realism, (laughs) right, any kind of realism, uh, then no, I mean, you're just going to be hitting every time you attack. Mm -hmm. Okay, 19 out of 20 times, right? Uh, You're going to be hitting 19 out of 20 times when you attack um, from the very start of the game. That could
1: be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of Game breaking, I think it's more, game breaking is more about balance. So mm-hmm. if your enemies were just as strong as you from the beginning, mm-hmm. I could see that being balanceable. Um, mm-hmm. But if you are, like like you said, 19 out of 20 times from level one,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that seems broken. But if the the enemies were also as strong as you, I could see that working in a balanced sense.
0: So, go, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was also going to say, uh, but it also, like, is that fun for a party? Like, mm-hmm. is that a party where that works, where it's just I want to hack and slash stuff mm-hmm. and feel like a badass? Then that's not a broken game. That's Agreed. just a game that works for you.
0: Yeah, and that's something I was going to say. So um, the balance is a component that some game, some games want, mm-hmm. and it's not a component that some games want uh and so um i was telling victoria this story earlier um, back in the day uh some of us played this game so um i think nick who is someone i probably haven't talked about yet but we played a lot of rpgs back from like uh maybe starting in sixth grade definitely in middle school and high school um and lou someone we've talked about before was in this game and uh it was that marvel superheroes game from the 80s i think 84 but I, i'm not sure and um It was not a session that I was playing in, but Lou was playing the Hulk. And as the Hulk, (laughs) the mission was to stop a bank robbery. (laughs) And he pulled someone, one of the robber's spines out of their back. Okay, that's not something that a normal bank robber can do to the Hulk. But it's something, right? Yeah. Uh So a a human bank robber is not pulling out the Hulk's spine. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not balanced in that sense. But the name of the game is... Marvel superheroes, and the character is the Incredible Hulk, yeah. And he should be able to do ridiculous feats of strength. Mm-hmm. So again, so making the rules known in advance. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're gonna play Marvel superheroes. Okay, can I play the Hulk? Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> now we know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Someone else, I think, um, in that one, they were the bank robbers were using a helicopter to escape. Uh, someone out there might of our of our many thousands of listeners, <laughs> somebody may. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody may know what adventure this is because it was almost certainly from the Marvel book.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: and I think there was a helicopter in that one, that same one that was the bank robbery one. And I think uh, in that one, the Hulk grabbed the uh, helicopter and like swung it around and threw it into a building. This is a bad idea because they destroyed all kinds of property damage and killed – or they committed all kinds of property damage. Uh, they killed uh, humans. Um, and so those are actually things that reduce your reputation in the game. So not a good idea, but – I mean, the character knew about – or the player knew about the reputation score ahead of time, mm-hmm. chose to play that way. So, again, it, it's something that they knew in advance. Um, it was something that the – I don't know if it's the game master in that game was willing to uh, enforce, um, and that player loved it, uh-huh. loved ripping out a spine. And maybe it was a one-shot, right? So yeah. uh, if you're only going to play the Hulk once, <laughs> why not? Why
1: <laughs> not? Why not go all in? Yeah. fists deep and some dude's back. <laughs> all in.
0: Um, so this notion of breaking the math, I, I think has to be understood or game breaking has to be understood in terms of um exploiting the system as it's written in a way that destroys the fun of the game, mm-hmm. something like that. yeah, um, and so that that this is importantly then relevant, irrelevant relative to the game that you're playing, the party you're playing with, and the expectations that are established. It's not anything goes that's a little bit different. Uh, but if it's something that people can agree to for the sake of fun, then do it. Just think about how different games are. Uh, so, is it is it game breaking if uh, stormtrooper armor in Star Wars like actually deflects laser blasts? That's not the that's story. That's movie-breaking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you might say, no, come on, look at this. It's it's not that hard, right? This stuff should be able to deflect some laser blasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just agree in advance how you're going to play. I don't remember, by the way, how what that question is, so whether Stormtrooper armor uh, does help in, in the RPG, in the D6 RPG. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, but that's just something to think about, right? Mm-hmm. So um, would having spell casting abilities in a um, – whatever like a 20 a 21st century game be game-breaking depends
1: depends on the game yeah. that's a big depends and
0: what if no one else has magic but you want to play a group of spell cat like um what was the, the craft that uh film from the 90s about the i think it's four girls who come together and they form uh like a, a coven of witches and oh they that have magic we, the
1: the 90s super 90s right yeah. um there are yes. at least
0: three women, maybe four, but I can't remember There's three of them. There's four. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, what if you want to play that game? Yeah. Yeah. Then it then it's that's, not yeah. game-breaking. It's the game. If so, you want to
1: go into someone else's modern setting mm-hmm. that doesn't have magic and be like, no, I really want to play magic, <laughs> that might be game-breaking. But if the game is the craft, that's clearly not game-breaking because that is the game.
0: Yeah. So. No. Maybe to throw out one more idea, um, you know, sometimes you don't know that it's game breaking until mm-hmm. you start playing. So suppose that you um, are a big fan of that um, anime One Punch Man. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it would be fun to allow someone to be a One Punch Man. Mm-hmm. on one hand I pity all the other players because right. I don't know what their characters do they bike mm-hmm. they bike,
1: <laughs> they bike.
0: <laughs> that, bike that actually
1: yeah. that would be my character I don't want to play that one
0: so you're the biker guy um, or you're the androidy guy who's pretty interesting yeah are there any you, female characters in that
1: they're not main characters okay. there's yeah. like that one young looking girl oh yeah yeah, yeah. she's got
0: some magic right? yeah she's yeah. got some magic okay. good um, yeah, so you're those characters, and those are at best secondary characters because all it takes is one punch and then the fight's over. And so yeah. you might think that sounds like a really fun game.
1: Maybe you could balance that. Oh. You could? This is not the point. Sorry, yeah. I'll bring that up later. I'll talk to you about One Punch Man because that'd be fun.
0: Well, I'm just thinking just from the purposes or just for the point of view of thinking about game breaking, you again, you you could say, yeah, we can do that and then find out, oh, this is actually a bad idea. Yeah. Um, it, other players might think that sounds really fun, but if the campaign continues on for months and months, and they're like, "Well, my character hasn't really done anything in the fights," or if they do, um, One Punch Man just hangs out in the back while we fight, yeah. and then we get our butts kicked, and then he comes in and punches it once in the fight. Punches over. it once,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm not saying it can't work.
1: Yeah, I was but just thinking, but it's a challenge. Yeah, he's he gets bored. It might be yeah. really fun to like. You've got. So much you can handle before you're just like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. That might be a fun.
0: You could it even, build a, sy- you could even yeah. build a system around that, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, in the way that um, vam- the vampire games have uh, these things, I think it's, I don't remember what the points are called, uh, but they, when something gets low, they go into the state of torpor where they just go to sleep mm-hmm. and they're kind of done, uh, at least for a long time. And so you could have a system put in place like like boredom or engagement score or something like that yeah. for one-punch man. Um, otherwise, you just have to rely on the player to play it, which some players can do. But you might force it in the system, like build it into the system as part of the uh, enjoyment factor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that's uh, math-breaking or breaking the game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the fourth one is just, I think, a good point about how to make rules and guidelines generally. Uh, make the language as clear and unambiguous as possible. Uh, so if we say, uh, no magic, then you might say, oh, does that mean that the players will have no magic, but maybe we'll come up against things that have magic, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, cause that's, then that's not really no magic. Right? Yeah. Um, if you say no non-standard races, like I did earlier and someone says, well, it's a non-standard race. Like what about a half dwarf? Cause that's not listed in second edition. You're like, yeah, that's actually non-standard it's just the ones listed in the book Uh um so to make the language as clear and unambiguous as possible is to avoid the potential problems right so it's it's one way of uh not having uh well one way of having the rules known in advance is if they're you see them Uh and you know what they mean one way of not having them known in advance is if you look at the uh, rules and i think to myself i understand it And you think a different way, totally understand it. And we understand it differently. Yeah. And then we don't have this, what we call like a meeting of the minds as we go through the game. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's clear and unambiguous, then it becomes easier for you to enforce. Yeah. Uh, So like what counts as downtime is a good one.
1: That's Um, a good one. Yeah. Yeah. How much time do I have in downtime Mm Yeah, is another one, yeah.
0: Um, I think I put a blog entry on uh, dungeonchatter.com, and you can check out what we've had to say about downtime, so how we handle downtime in our RPG. It's uh, one of the first entries. I don't know. You can just search for downtime, as I think, as one word, mm-hmm. um, and see what we're talking about there. I've I tried hard to make the language as clear and unambiguous as possible to give you a sense of how we do it. And then if you wanted to adopt a system of downtime, you wouldn't have to adopt our system. Uh, But whatever you come up with, let your players know. So we actually have it on a Google Doc also that we share. So people could do uh, downtime there on the Google Doc. Although nobody does. They just text me or talk to me. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, Make it a rule that will contribute to the enjoyment of the game. Uh, So when you have language that is not clear and unambiguous, um, there's, I think... A great bummer, like a great downer in the game is when you have this cool idea all planned out and you go to do it and then the uh, DM is like, oh, that's actually not the rule. So you misunderstood the rule. You're like, well, it kind of says that, right? Yeah. Uh, So now what? Uh, So just to be clear, unambiguous, give your players all the knowledge that they need in order to make good decisions about what will be fun for them. Mm -hmm. And do the same then as players, just do the same thing for the GM.
1: I remember reading this comic once about um, homemade items in uh, mm-hmm. games and why every item they have nowadays has like 50 clauses attached to it because somebody asked for a magic shovel and they're like, here, here's a magic shovel. And it the, the rule is listed as can dig through five feet of any material and it like cuts to six <laughs> months later. And they're on the back of a dragon holding the shovel, and they're like, "Well, you said any material, so <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's a hilarious example of ambiguous language, yeah, and and intent with the rule, but the language isn't clear enough to to enforce intent."
0: Yeah, that's good. So I, I mean, if it means any material, then it's not unambiguous, right? That's totally right. Yeah not ambiguous it's totally right
1: it's totally right
0: uh but maybe you have to hit the dragon and then if you hit the dragon does that just scoop out five feet of of flesh you
1: just tap it so the dragon's back (laughs) and there's suddenly a five foot hole in in your dragon
0: yeah that's good Mm -hmm. i like that um this reminds me of um a whole giant wrinkle that we haven't talked about yet but um uh and i don't want to do it too much i just want to mention one of the house rules is about whether or not to allow psionic powers, so mental powers that are not uh, spell-based powers. And I actually saw a poll on Twitter recently where the overwhelming uh, majority of people said that they don't allow psionics in their game. Yeah, um, and that's that's a bummer to me. That's a, one of those downers to me because um, there was a the psionicist was a, a character class in um, second edition. Mm-hmm. And they were interesting, uh, not overpowering. I'm thinking of this because it was this spell that was something like um, uh, maybe uh, shatter or disintegrate. And uh, you could maybe like use it to target people's blood vessels in their head or something. And then just like blow up parts of their brain uh, mm-hmm. and make them have strokes. Um yeah, so that's something to think about, right? So is that what the intention of the psionic spell was, or was it something else? And I will just say, though, that the psionics, as they were used in 2nd edition, were incredibly weak compared to psionics as they were intended in um, the original. I think it was, in, it was either in D&D or in AD&D 1st edition. Any character could become what they call a wild talent. So you're born with some cool psionics powers, mm-hmm. and, if you, and your mind essentially became like a, a weapon that was powered up every level. Um, And so eventually like your mind attacking other people would be like a giant magical two-handed sword and it would just smash and like mentally destroy them Mm -hmm. uh, with every attack. And it could attack multiple times and do significant damage. So maybe there's a type of psionics that people thought just broke the game. Like so if you're already a super awesome character and someone else is a super awesome character but you just happen to be – a wild talent. Now you're a super awesome character who also has these other abilities, like to disintegrate their bodies, yeah, <laughs> um, or to just continue to bash them down with your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe a reason for not including it is that it could break the game, especially if you make it a random roll to see if people have it. Because if you're, oh, if, if one character in your party gets psionics, yeah, that might not be fun.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. And, th- and again, when I say this, this doesn't mean that you don't root for your party members. It's just that not everybody is of the mindset that they're cool with being a character who who doesn't always have much to contribute so if there's someone who's better at them uh better than them at fighting and they're also a powerful psionist on top of it and 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 this this character's only role is to heal that guy when he gets uh, or that yeah girl, or whatever you know to yeah. take
1: care of the minions while he does the boss battle yeah
0: yeah, yeah. So um, that's just something to think about with party dynamics. Maybe we'll have a podcast coming up on party structure. Mm-hmm. I think P is, I think P P is party. is party.
1: Yeah, that's so, cool.
0: Um, yeah, so typically we would have done the um, the overview, so what uh, house rules are, and we did that. Mm-hmm. Um, then we would talk about some how some systems do it that we like and other systems do it that we don't like. And we've kind of done that as we talked through. It's yeah. not exactly a system. It's not a system. Yeah. It's
1: all evidence anecdotally based. Mm-hmm. So.
0: the house rules are by definition these kind of tweaks on systems. Um, And then we would do the pitch. But what we've done is kind of led with the pitch here, right? So the pitch has been how we structured everything. And normally we would finish up then with hack and slash. But, I mean, mean, unless one of the four guidelines is ridiculous, I don't see the problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the only hack and slash is that all of this is on a case-by-case basis. Mm -hmm. Like we already talked about, you can't know every possible house rule in advance. And you can't, Always know that what is fun today will be fun later, or um, if you need to enforce something consistently, maybe there will be a reason not to enforce it. So all yeah. of these are just case by case and not hard, fast rules, which is the whole point of house rules. Is totally. Thinking that you can do something better for your specific party than the system does. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So.
0: Um, okay. And, you know, then it becomes an interesting question when a series of house rules become a new game, but we don't have to worry about that for now. Not, I just think it's an yet. interesting question. <laughs> not
1: for another, what, like 20-some episodes? 19? <laughs> 19, 19 episodes? I think we're on six? Yeah. Seven? This yeah. is seven.
0: And so um, I guess we should wish you a happy Halloween. Halloween. And happy Halloween.
1: Happy Day after day after Halloween, yes. by the time you're hearing this.
0: Yes. We are in, we are in the past talking to you
1: in, in the, the future.
0: future. Whoa. Wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I just disintegrated <laughs> your mind with my psionics. Powers. You did.
1: With your word, uh-huh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Um And so uh, then at this point, now is probably a good time then for us to say, you have just listened to H for...
1: House Rules.
0: And the next episode is I for... Infrastructure. Oof. This could be tough. This could be an interesting one. Yeah. Um, This could take one of two forms, depending upon whether we have a Skype interview,
1: guest interview. So we'll see how
0: that goes. Fingers crossed. That'd be exciting. (laughs) And um, then, so that's for next time. But for this time, um, this has been Travis.
1: This has been Victoria.
0: And this has been Dungeon Dungeon Chatter. Chatter.
1: Thanks for listening to episode 8. If you want more Dungeon Chatter, please check us out at DungeonChatter.com or follow us on Twitter at @dungeonchatter. And if you like the show, it'd be super cool if you left a review on iTunes and told your friends who are also into RPG stuff. Or maybe just curious about RPG stuff. Or maybe completely indifferent to RPGs entirely, but you think might still enjoy this. We definitely appreciate it. Our next episode, Eye for Infrastructure, will be out in two weeks on Friday, November 16th. So we hope to see you then. Thanks again for listening.